Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian, nutritionist. So last week we spent a whole episode talking about and understanding what happens to our bodies when we don't sleep. I am somebody who's a chronic insomniac and I have been talking to women who seem to be at different stages of their life and they may feel like they're having a difficult time sleeping or maybe even with the pandemic and just all the things that are going on in the world in general are having a little bit of a harder time sleeping. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what actually happens physiologically during sleep, why sleep is necessary for our bodies, what it does. We talked about on the last episode what happens with lack of sleep when it comes to short-term and long-term consequences. And we also talked about some of the hormones that become imbalanced when you are sleep-deprived. And so because we spent a lot of time talking about that, we didn't really get a chance to talk about any of the diet and lifestyle changes that may have some kind of interference with your sleep, with your sleeping. So there are some things that worsen sleep, and then there are going to be some things that improve your sleep quality. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So listen in for some important information in helping you start to meet your daily sleep goal. The recommendation for sleep from most sleep advocacy groups is seven to nine hours of sleep each night. And this is over a 24 hour period. The goal is to get a minimum of six hours per sleep of sleep per night to reduce your risk of disease, but seven was considered better. So hence the recommendation of seven to nine hours of sleep each night. There was some research talking about like is nine hours of sleep even better, but it didn't seem to really, I think that that it's the jury is still out on that. So right now it's just kind of making sure you're able to get seven to nine hours of sleep each night. We all know the devastating impact of not getting enough sleep. And so that typically tends to be our lack of decision-making ability or inability to perform tasks the way that we normally would if we were sleeping adequately. But there's also an association with lack of sleep and trying to make lifestyle changes, right? And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Typically, when we're talking on this podcast or when I am talking to women, a lot of times there are changes that that we all want to make, right? Myself included. And so making these changes is something that can be really difficult. It usually requires a new skill or new task, a new um, system that you're trying to put into place. And so when you're not sleeping enough, it's really hard to be able to have that follow through with the lifestyle intervention that you may, that you may really desire. And so for a lot of times sleeping may be in fact become the priority. And then once the sleep is able to be something that is able to be a little bit more consistent, then we can start working on the other things that maybe that's maybe desired. But there's some research, some newer research that come that has been coming out talking about that there may be an association with inability to lose weight when sleep is inadequate. And that's probably from a multitude of factors. I mean, on last week's episode, we talked about the different hormones that are released when we have inadequate sleep and just how that sequel of events kind of goes into play. 
And so because of that, lack of sleep is associated with an inability to lose weight, weight gain, and a higher BMI. And so I want to talk about some of the things and the patterns and different things like that, that may worsen your sleep. So may hinder you from getting your six hours a night. And then some things that we can do that may help us improve our sleep so that we're getting at least seven hours per night. One of the things, you know, when it comes to food is it doesn't seem like there's one particular food that you have to eat when it comes to to sleeping. There are some studies that talked about milk. I know milk is something that like that, like a lot of like the older generation, I think even when I was little, my mom used to say that, that there was, you know, like there was something in milk. So yeah, there seems to be some, it seems that milk responds older to old it responds better to older people that there's this like melatonin quality and some tryptophan in the milk that has and and shows sleep quality improvement and duration. And that, so that might be something that helps, but in general, it's, I'm not going to be telling you like, Oh, eat this and this, and this is what's going to help you sleep. It's more going to be like the patterns of eating that are associated with poor sleep, and then the patterns of eating that are associated with better sleep. So typically what is the, what the research is kind of shows is that with lack of sleep, some of the things that worsen it in terms of patterns of eating would be somebody who is skipping main meals throughout the day. So if you're somebody who is having some kind of irregular eating pattern or really eating snacks instead of meals, that may put you at risk of interrupting your sleep and not being able to sleep as much as your as your body may need. If you are having that you're eating too late at night, that may also hinder you from sleeping. And in going with that, foods that worsen acid reflux, things like chocolate and peppermint and greasy food and fried food and acidic and spicy foods, all of that stuff is going to be, and especially if it's eat, eaten too late at night, that may also hinder your sleeping. If you are somebody who struggles with acid reflux, typically the recommendation is to, when you eat, not to lay down, to have your, to be kind of sitting up at least 30 degrees, and then making sure that you're up at least one to two hours after meals. And there, and if you are somebody who suffers with acid reflux, avoiding any of those foods that could make you feel worse and contribute to you not being able to sleep because you might have some pain. Other foods or things that are worse in your sleeping, which is, I don't think anyone's going to be like surprised by this, is high caffeine consumption. So that can be in any way. It can be in your coffee or your tea. It can be in any of your caffeinated energy drinks that you're that you're consuming. I think that there's even like supplements that you might be doing over the counter that you think might be good for you. Sometimes those also have caffeine in them too. You also have those little monster drinks, whether they're sugar-free or not, they're going to have a ton of caffeine in them. Alcohol, any, any alcohol that you're drinking, even if it's just your one glass of wine, alcohol has also been associated with reducing your sleep quality and disrupting your, your sleep overall. Um, any like sugar sweetened beverage or drinks, like any sodas or juices, those kinds of things have been associated too with limiting how much sleep you do in a night or hindering your sleep. 
if you're somebody who likes to drink a lot of water or beverages in general, if you're having those too late before you go to bed, that may also cause you to wake up in the middle of the night and then you're unable to sleep. If you're somebody who is on, you know, as you're older, older and you're on, if you're somebody who's on like any diuretics or anything like that, also that is going to be something that may keep you up at night. Smoking has been shown to have people who smoke have poor quality of sleep. Smokers have also been shown that they wake up in the middle of the night either to smoke or they may find themselves grinding their teeth at night as a, as a form of stress relief. And so then that might hinder how much they're actually able to sleep if you're a smoker. No surprise, electronics is also something that hinders your sleep. If you have video games or computers, all of that blue light, I think, has an impact on you going to sleep and it disrupts their circadian rhythms. But then also it's shown that people who are playing more on their video games have less physical activity. And so then that also creates this cycle of not being able to sleep because you're less physically active. Any bright light exposure during the night decreases your melatonin secretion. So that will also disrupt your sleep. If you are somebody who travels, although right now I don't know how many people are traveling, but typically people who travel a lot have these periods of jet lag and jet lag has increased cortisol, increased cortisol levels, which is um, a hormone. And so then that has and results in a change in your sleep wake cycles. So if you're, you know, traveling a lot and have jet lag, you'll probably notice that, that your sleep won't be that great. Now, something that I think working in healthcare that I think is something to talk about is people who do shift work. So people who do shift work and shift work would be people who, instead of working during daytime hours, there are employees that work at nighttime hours. And so what happens is, is that this is typically associated with poorer food quality, more snack foods, less socialization with meals. And a lot of people will have a higher BMI and obesity and some kind of impaired glucose, impaired glucose or at risk for diabetes. Another thing that will also decrease your risk of sleep, what may also worsen, what may also make it worse for somebody who works night shift or does any kind of shift work is that we know that typically when we're sleep deprived, we tend to crave foods that are lower in fiber, higher in sugar, and higher in fat. And so these foods, we crave them, and then it helps us become even more and more sleep deprived. We feel like, you know, we feel yucky when we eat them because these are going to be things that are going to be like low nutrient quality. These are going to be things like your donuts and your candies and your chips and things like that. They're going to be the things that are probably more accessible doing shift work. And they are going to be the things that are going to probably be more caloric and then also put you more at risk for diabetes. So now that we've talked about some of the lifestyle factors and dietary factors that may hinder your sleeping, let's talk about some things that could improve your sleeping. Well, like I said, I mean, we had talked about nutrition and when it comes to nutrition, we want to look at a pattern of foods and a pattern of our meals and not a specific nutrient when it comes to eating. What's been associated with improved sleep 
is eating fruits and vegetables that has been associated with better sleep. Most individuals, you know, we want to have at least three, a minimum of three servings a day of fruit and or vegetables and more if you can tolerate that. Some studies have suggested that fruit may enhance sleep quality or promote sleep in healthy individuals. There has been some research to support that tart cherries also help with improvement in sleep and they decrease inflammation. And one that I thought was so interesting was kiwis. There was some research that supported the idea of eating two kiwis one hour before bed had high serotonin and resulted in better sleep. I have not tried that. And if you're somebody who can't, you know, do that before you go to bed, I don't know that, you know, I I just think it's interesting. I've never tried it, but if you're somebody who's interested in that, let me know how it goes. But in general, a balanced diet with a variety of foods, and these are your foods like your proteins and your carbohydrates and your fruits. You want to make sure you have your fruits because you see, we just talked about the fruits and the veggies are associated with better sleep, but they also have an increase in fiber and that will help too. You want to have some good fats and you want to have, you know, you want to have any kind of diet pattern. And I'm not saying a diet, just like the way that you eat. You want to have it that it's, that it has a lot of variety because that's what's going to help balance your nutrients. If you have an eating plan that takes out different nutrients or different food groups, food groups, then you may have some kind of you may be developing some kind of nutrient deficiency that may be associated with poor sleep. When it comes to the, I guess, the diets that are linked to having the best outcomes when it comes to sleep would be things, the two things, the two ones that, the two that are mentioned are the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet. And both of these, I think, instead of looking at it as a diet, look at it as like a lifestyle kind of intervention that probably most of us could be eating like this. The Mediterranean diet is basically plant-based foods. These are things that are whole grains and fruits and veggies. Remember, they improve sleep. They include nuts and seeds and herbs and spices, and they do olive oil. And, you know, in terms of protein, it's usually fish and seafood and poultry and dairy, and then limited or or occasional red meat and sweets. This whole Mediterranean diet in general is lower in inflammation, and they think there might be some kind of resultant improvement in sleep quality for people who follow the Mediterranean diet. The other diet that is talked about as maybe having an improvement in sleep is the DASH diet. And the DASH diet is so interesting because it is, a DASH diet is used for hypertension. So anybody who has high blood pressure. And so the base of that DASH diet is kind of, there's some similarities in comparison to the Mediterranean diet. So it's typically rich in fruits and vegetables, whole grains. One of the things that the DASH diet promotes is different kinds of nuts And so they tend to be rich in potassium and calcium and magnesium and low in sodium. And all these things may also be associated, like having the potassium, calcium, magnesium may also be um, associated with improved sleep quality. This DASH diet 
also includes like low-fat dairy, fish, poultry, all that kind of stuff. And it really does the same thing. It limits foods that are high in saturated fat, fatty meats, and things like that. I did an episode, and I'll leave it in the show notes. I've done an episode on the Mediterranean diet, and I've also done an episode on the DASH diet, especially if you're somebody who has hypertension or high blood pressure. The DASH diet has been proven to to help counteract the devastating impact of that. So definitely take a listen. And so not surprisingly, those two meal patterns or those two kinds of eating when they're plant-based and they're rich in whole grains and fruits and veggies, nuts, seeds, all things that are really, that we promote in general, like we want to have these things because this is what gives us the optimized, the the this gives us a balance in what we're eating and this optimizes our nutritional status. So it's not surprising that that will probably also help us with our sleep because the more varied it is that we're eating the different foods, the less likely it is that we are going to be deficient in something that could be causing poor sleep. Another thing that helps promote sleep is regular physical activity. That has been something that well, not it, it works both ways. I guess it's making sure that you're doing some kind of physical activity, but not doing it too late before you go to bed because then it can actually hinder it. So I think it's just kind of the basics. And if I could really simplify it when it comes to sleep, before we get into the actual, like what your sleep hygiene schedule looks like in terms of like what you're eating, just making sure that you're staying hydrated throughout the day so that you're not getting all your hydration at the end of the night, that you are eating a variety of foods and foods that you probably already are eating or foods that you know that are good for you, right? And then also doing some kind of physical activity will help that too. So I think that to simplify it, we all know these things, right? And so it's just creating more of a case of why we want to try to, you know, why it's important because remember it's, it's this whole thing. Like if you're not sleeping, so if you're eating these foods, then it's great because then hopefully it helps you in many other ways. It helps you reduce your risk of chronic disease. It helps you you know, become more physically active, which thereby then also reduces your risk of chronic disease. And then by sleeping, that helps too. So if you're not doing any of these things, then it's even harder because then you're not getting the nutrition that your body might need. You're not getting the physical activity that your body needs that may then increase your risk of not sleeping as much as you, as your body needs. And then that could then thereby increase your risk of getting chronic disease. So sleep really is the foundation of so much of our life. And I think so many times we undervalue it because we are in a culture of, you have to work really hard. And by the way, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody that I have to work harder, harder and harder. And then ultimately, you know, there is a consequence to that because sleep is necessary for our survival and it is essential to healing our body. And so when it comes to creating a sleep hygiene schedule, what does that look like? You know, I didn't even know that these things existed, that there was such a thing as a hygiene schedule until a couple of years ago. So I'm going to kind of talk about some of the things that are recommended when it comes to sleeping so that you can get more adequate sleep. First is, okay. So a sleep hygiene schedule consists of having some kind of schedule that you can get some kind of regular consistent sleep. So that could be like having a consistent bedtime. So every night trying to be in bed, like trying to figure out when you need to wake up in the morning and trying to figure out how you're going to get your seven hours of sleep minimum that night, 
What does it look like? Okay, do I have to be in bed at nine o'clock? Do I have to be in bed at 10 o'clock? And that's going to really depend on what your morning looks like and what time you have to get up. So that's going to be the first thing is really trying to figure out what your schedule is going to look like. Also having some kind of consistent nighttime routine will probably help you. So this can be something like washing your face, brushing your teeth, taking off your makeup, putting on your PJs, and being in bed at a certain time. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to women and myself included when I am falling asleep on the couch because I've watched too many episodes of Bridgerton or something, and then I've gotten terrible sleep because I've maybe slept like three hours and then the TV's on in the background. Well, obviously that's not going to be good for sleep hygiene, right? And yet we do it. Or we're so sleep deprived that I've done this, that you get home from work and you just like lay on the couch and take a nap because you're so tired, you can't even move forward. And so it's very hard then to like create some kind of bedtime routine because you're already so tired. So what I would say is, again, just start where you're at. So if it's, you're not sleeping at all and you're just doing like four hours of sleep at night, maybe for you, it's just trying to get an extra hour or two hours in a night. Cause maybe that will be, make, make you feel really good. It'll be a big difference for you. And then I would say is try to have some kind of, again, like a consistent nighttime routine. So when you get home from work, what does that look like? Are you going to come home and get in your PJs right away? Are you going to work out first? What are you going to do? Try not to just kind of go and lay on the couch because I may, I've made that mistake and never ends up being something good. So, you know, trying to do something that you're doing consistently that you can then prevent you from going lying on the couch and falling asleep and taking a nap before you're actually getting ready to go to bed for the night. Establish some kind of wind down time. So time to read a book or to journal or to meditate or stretch anything. It's just basically that you have a time that's in your night that can be for you. And it's a practice that's going to help you start to relax and to get into the mindset of sleep and start thinking about sleep. I think so many of us put so much of our time into the whole day and then sleep is just something that we just like fall into at the end of the night. And so it's just, it seems almost crazy, but it's almost like just trying to have a little bit more structure around that so that you can really optimize and enhance your sleep so that ultimately you'll be able to do more of the things that you want to do the next day because you're going to feel well rested and have better sleep quality. So in line with that is also putting all your electronics away, right? So we talked about how the different lights and the blue lights and just electronics in general, they will, they will hinder and they have like an impact on your circadian rhythm. So you want to put all your electronics away at least an hour before you go to sleep. So whatever that looks like for you, for you, it might just be Maybe you plug in your phone in an outlet that's a little bit further away from you. Um, Maybe for your kids, it's you have all the phones in one room um, that they don't have access to them because that's going to be a disruptor of their sleep too if they're up all night on their phone. I mean, how many of us, myself included, have you know, been trying to wind down and go to bed, but then you're on Instagram or Facebook and it's like an hour later and you're like, oh my gosh, I could have been sleeping. And so putting those electronics away in terms of so that you're not getting distracted, because I know what happens with us women, like we're tired, we've been working all friggin' day and it's like, you just have a couple minutes to yourself. And so, 
You just want that little time to yourself to like unwind. And so it ends up being social media because that's something that's really easy. We don't have to think about it. But then an hour later, we're still doing it. And then it's, it's like losing time that we could have been sleeping. And then it's also disrupting our sleep because, you know, because we have all that light in front of us, it's going to be a little bit harder to fall asleep. You know, we've already talked about avoiding foods that are going to make it a little bit worse for you to sleep. So that's going to be your caffeine, your alcohol, any smoking before bedtime, making sure that if you have acid reflux, you aren't eating those foods at least two hours before you go to bed. And then also, you know, having like proper ventilation in your room, avoiding any excess humidity. And for some people, you may need an air humidifier or an air purifier. Something that I think is so silly, but I had never even thought of was a comfortable mattress, sheets, and pillows. So my bed is fine, whatever, right? But I had gone to, um, I'd slept overnight. Um, I hung out with my friend and she had rented this place and the pillows on this bed were amazing. And so then I think I realized like, oh my gosh, I don't even have to have like a luxury hotel. I just have to buy some luxury pillows. And it made such a difference in my sleeping. Because I think that like, again, we, I think as Americans, I don't know if in other cultures do this. It's like, we don't, it's something that's so important, yet we spend so little of our time actually thinking about it and doing things to enhance it. And so it could be something for you, like new sheets, new covers, new pillows, like I did, that help. And my son also is a terrible sleeper. And so he also has our new luxury pillows and he loves them and they have been helping him sleep. So perhaps maybe that's the one thing you take away from this podcast is that you need new pillows, but I highly recommend them. They're amazing. And then lastly, you know, keeping your room dark, if you need to get those like blackout curtains, whatever you need to do, because again, the whole part of all of this is that you don't want to disrupt your your circadian rhythms. You want to be able to just kind of like have like a room that's dark, that's cool, that has minimal noise. You don't want to have your, um, you just want to be comfortable. And so all of these kinds of things are going to help you. But again, it's going to be something that at the beginning you might have to think about and just kind of figure out like, okay, what time am I going to go to bed at night? And then just kind of recreate what you think that looks like for you. And I would do like not to go crazy because again, it's always about starting where you're at. And then making small changes over time that consistently will get you to where you want to be in your bigger goal. But I encourage you to do and to maybe take a little time today to think about what your sleep schedule looks like and if there's some ways that you can enhance it, if you can go to bed a little bit earlier, if you can establish a nighttime routine, if you can have a place in your room where you can put your electronics where you won't really see the blue of the light or the blinking of the light or whatever light around you. Or maybe it's something as simple as you get an alarm clock instead of using your phone alarm so that you don't feel like you have to have it there. But again, if you, I just wanted to kind of emphasize the importance of sleep because it really does hinder so much of our life when we are in, in a deficit. And especially when it, when it comes to creating these health, wellness, and self-care goals that we have, if we don't have adequate sleep, no matter what our best intention is, it's going to be really hard to make those, um, to make those goals and to achieve those goals. If you are somebody who thinks that you have a sleep disorder. So if you think you're somebody 
who has sleep apnea, I would also, you know, contact your doctor for an assessment or a workup if you need to, because that can also hinder your sleep. So in terms of sleeping, again, starting, start by implementing any small changes that you can do and each night trying to make sleep a little bit more of a priority. And then just hopefully over time, you'll get to a place that you're sleeping better and then you're able to be better focused and be able to, life might feel just so much more manageable, especially when it comes to any of the health goals that you do. So thanks so much for listening this week. And thanks so much for being patient with this two-part series. Because as you can tell right now, I'm passionate about sleep because it's just something that I've noticed in my own life has been a huge disruptor. And I myself have never taken it as serious as I probably need to be. And so as I'm doing this research on my own, I figured I would share it with you because I know I'm not the only insomniac out there. And so you know, I just wanted to share it because I think, you know, it it might just make your life so much better as I'm hoping it's going to make mine better. And so we can kind of do this together. Because remember, like I'm on this journey with you too. There's some places that I'm a little bit further and there's some places where I need to learn some things too. So sleep is something that I'm concentrating on. So maybe you can also concentrate on it with me. So if you found value in this episode, please share so that women like you can be empowered to take action when it comes to their health and so that we can further this mission of this podcast of normalizing what women's health looks like instead of what we see on social media and just normalizing what everyday women do and the the struggles of what comes with that. So I thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys back here next week. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Being a busy woman or mom doesn't mean that we have to give up on our health, wellness, or self-care. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. You can find us at wholehealthempower.com or on Instagram at wholehealthempower. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.